1: So how many of you love, love seeing pictures? How many of you love seeing pictures? In a couple of seconds, I'm going to show you a couple pictures, but I love seeing pictures. One of my favorite things to do is when I go to my mother's house, uh, well, before, I know she's living with Rosie now, but literally she would have the albums albums with all the pictures since we were little. Since we were little, we would have all those pictures And one of the things that I did for today is I actually brought, and I'm going to show it to you in a second, one of my baby pictures, all right? So um, be kind, be kind, all right? Be kind. Jesus wants you to be kind and to love one another, right? Are you ready? Are you ready to see my baby picture? And the count of three, one, two, three, right there. So, some of you might not think that's me, but that is me. Uh, I'm one of the first little ones to be born with a full beard there. So, right there, you see a full, uh, my little baby picture. And um, thank God none of you really laughed too much. But here, I'm going to show you my a real, like, not a baby, baby picture, but that's little Carlito right there. Um, I don't know why my parents dressed me up like a Teletubby, Um, but I had that little ball thing on the top of my head. I can't believe they would bring me out in public like that because without question, you know that people would make fun of me. But one of the things I decided to do was for us to also get to know a couple other people that are part of our church without saying anything. I'm going to show you the next baby picture and you got to guess who it is. Okay. Okay. This is the next uh well, the toddler picture. who's that?, yo, yo, yo they they guess they guess <laughs> Pastor Harold mad quick. That's Pastor Harold. If you guess, <laughs> Jonathan is about to fall off the balcony. He's laughing so hard. <laughs> we love you, Pastor Harold. That's Pastor Harold. Uh, why don't we thank God for him and here he's pictured. With his wife, the next picture right there, Diane Boy, who's one of the elders of her church. And next, who could guess who this is? That is, for those of you that guessed Pastor Diana, you are absolutely right. She still brings that little monkey to church every single Sunday, too. She loves that little monkey. That's Pastor Diana there pictured with her husband, one of the elders of the church, Kirk Nelson. And as you can tell, you're getting to know the pastors of our church. And the next pastor there, who could guess who's on the left-hand side? Because this pastor is a twin, is a twin. That is a Pastor Debbie. Why don't you wave Pastor Debbie there? And that's Pastor Debbie and Ed together there. And last but not least, one of our pastors, right there. Who's that? Who's that lady? That baby that looks so scared at that moment. That baby looks scared. Like, yo, take that picture. That's, that's Pastor Joelle and Andrea, who uh, is in charge of the children's ministry and her family. But I wanted to do that little star presentation just for you to also get to know our pastors. So why don't we thank God? for all the pastors in our church, and also our elders, too. Now, one of the things I wish I could do, I wish I could get all of your baby pictures, all of them, and put it up there on the screen so we could see all the baby pictures, all of them represented here in our church and those watching through the live stream as well. What's amazing to me, though, is just to think that God's been with not only us, but with you in every season of your life since you were a baby since you were a child since you were a teenager and as you continue through your life god's been there in every single season as you know we're going through the bible throughout this year and every sunday we're focusing on a different book today we're going to focus on the book of jeremiah jeremiah was one of the greatest prophets in Israel, and he was a prophet to the southern kingdom, Judah, Israel, before the exile, before the exile, before everyone was exiled to Babylon. Now, I want to tell you a couple things about Jeremiah. The name Jeremiah means God will lift you up. So how cool is that, that like your name means God will lift you up. That's the name of Jeremiah. He's also known as the weeping prophet because he's crying a lot, grieving over the sins of the people. And pretty much, even to a point, even at one point, God is like, you're almost like you're crying too much. Don't cry at this moment. He he was known as the weeping prophet. But I also want you to think of him as a tender warrior. Uh, He had a tender heart. But let me tell you, to be him in the journey that God's called him to be, he definitely had to have the courage to be a warrior. He wrote the book of Jeremiah, Lamentations, and it's also believed that a possibility that he wrote First and Second Kings as well. So there's so much we can learn about the life of Jeremiah. But as you know, we're looking for God's presence in the midst of the book. And we're going to go and dive into Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. So we're going to highlight this, um, these passages. If you have your Bible, you could open, to, uh, open it up to it. It starts off like this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send to you, send you to, and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow to build and to plant. I went over to verse 10 as well. So here, pretty much in these verses, there's so much we could talk about. So much we could talk about. But I wanna highlight five things and it's gonna be behind me. The first one is this, God knows us. God knows us. Like what's so powerful is before I formed you, I knew you. So when you think about it, when does life start? God says, before I formed you, I knew you. So when you think about it, the world is quick to say that life begins like at birth. But God makes it very clear. No, no, no. Before I formed you, he knew you. So literally, God knew you even before he formed you in the womb. The world can say whatever they want, but God's truth will prevail. Point number two is God has a plan. Major point you see there. God said, before you were born, I set you apart. He appointed you. Like I know for each of us, like we always think of what is the plan? What are we going to do in our life? I remember as clear as day, uh, something, I mean, Jen, Jen doesn't love this about me too much. I don't throw out too much stuff that I love. You know what I mean? I, like, I, I'm not going to say I'm a little hoarder, but you know what I mean? Like there's certain things I can't let go of. Like, uh, like I have memory boxes at home. I don't know if anyone has memory boxes, but I have boxes That have things from kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. It's like I have little notes that people gave me when I was a kid. It's just I love seeing these things. And I remember one of my notebooks in one of the grades, it's like, you know, we had to write, what do you want to be when I grow up? You know, I have to say I never wrote pastor when I was there. And like, you know, that wasn't one of the things I wrote. If you look at the paper, it says a doctor. You know what I mean? So uh, don't come to me for prescriptions, you know, med- medical stuff, uh, spiritual stuff. I could give you God, God's word. So, in that sense, maybe I, like, you know, God uses me in that sense. But every single one of us, we pretty much could think about what we wanted to be when we grew up as a kid. We also could think about when it comes to like, uh, even as a teenager, what do you want to do when you get older? Or even if you're older, What do you want to do in the next season of your life? But I want to say, here, God makes it clear that he has a plan. He has a plan. So are we doing his plan, you could say? So so, God has a plan. That's point number two. Point number three, we can talk ourselves out of his plan you saw clearly that Jeremiah had a plan and Jeremiah started talking to himself out of it. He was saying, uh, I don't know how to speak. He said, I'm too young. The Bible doesn't tell us how old exactly Jeremiah was, but it's estimated to be from 12 years old to 20 years old. So he was pretty much in that range telling God, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young to do what you've called me to do. I, I don't know if we've ever try to talk ourselves out of what God wants us to do. Point number four, God is with us. God is with us. Um, God makes it clear, do not be afraid because I am with you, Jeremiah. And point number five that we see in these verses is God equips us. Because in the midst of all of that, saying that he had a plan, that he was with him and everything, he pretty much um, said, I'm going to put my words in your mouth. So he's equipping him to do the very thing God's called him to do. So I know when we hear about all of, the, all of this, we automatically think of our lives. I think we do. Like for the most, most of us, you hear Jeremiah, you hear all, everything that we just read. And deep down inside, we're asking, what about us? What about us? And the truth is, God knows you. He knew you before he um, formed you in your mother's womb. God has a plan for you for every single person. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you for every single person. um, He has a plan for and he set us apart for that plan. Also, like Jeremiah, we could talk ourselves out of God's plan. How many of us know deep inside it, in our heart, there's something that God wants you to do, but you just have this special gift that's called coming up with excuses. It's, 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 it's like a gift, not from God, from Satan. It's like, it's like no, I'm too young, I'm too old. I don't have time. I'm too busy. You know, I'm not, I like, like, could I really even do it? We could go on and on with the list of excuses that we could come up with of why not to do what God has called us to do. So what's the excuse that you've used? Because in some ways, or another, we might, realize, uh, we might not realize it, but we could come up and create our own barriers to what God is trying to do in our life. Also, number, uh, point number four, I said before that God was with Jeremiah, God is with you. You're never by yourself. Even if you don't acknowledge God, even if you don't see him, even if you don't feel him, God is still with you doesn't matter where you go, where you travel to, what what neighborhood, neighborhood you're in, what job you have, who you're talking to, God is always with you every step of the way of your journey. There's no way you could take a breath in your lungs and God not be present. And lastly, God equips us. Every single one of us, no matter what God's called you to do, He's going to give you what you need to do what he's called you to do. He's not going to lead you to a place and leave you there without equipping you. God has equipped you. Every single person here has gifts, talents, experiences, everything that God has done to be able to equip us to be able to do what he's called us to do. But I know what probably most of you are thinking. It's like, you know what? Carlos, I know that God knows me. That's an easy one to really accept. Uh, We could even say like, you know, like I understand that I've talked myself out of probably what God has wanted me to do before and that God's with me. I understand that God's equipped me. But we, deep down inside of our hearts, I think at one point or another, we always might think, it's like what is God's plan for my life? Have you ever thought that before? You can raise your hand. So like people don't think you're like the only one. Like what is God's plan for our life? If we know that he's formed you in your mother's womb and we know that he has set you apart in your life because he he has something for each and every one of us to do, what is that something. Before we dive into God's will, I want to tell you three main truths about God's will. This is the first one. God's will for your life is a part of a bigger picture. God's will for your life is a part of a bigger picture. Up here, I brought, I showed you a picture of when I was a kid. I brought here like one of the toys that I used to love playing with as a toddler. Some of you are gonna be brought back to memory. Uh, It's funny because this toy was invented. It went through changes in the journey, but it was like 1939, so it's it's been around. Well, I'm still in my 20s, but you know, since 1939, this toy has been going through, oh man. Oh, do you know what this is? This is a Viewmaster. This is so cool. So, pretty much, you look through it. What can I see right there? Oh, I see a rhinoceros. And you click. Un elefante. You click and you see. Oh, look, look at that monkey. Uh, you know, you click and you see different pictures. This one has to do like a little zoo. Uh, Viewmaster. How many of you love uh, Viewmaster? Yo, 50 bucks. Whoever wants to buy it afterwards, 50 dollars. And yo, whoever said I don't even know who he said I will give it to you a special deal, yo. 49.99, plus tax and delivery charge. So, so here, ViewMaster, and obviously the ViewMaster is a really cool toy. But the reason I wanted to bring this out is because I really believe that most Christians see their life most people see their life as if they're seeing it through the ViewMaster, pretty much seeing like one image or you could say like a season at a time in their life. Like pretty much they don't see the big picture. They just focus on an image at a time. So like, for example, if you're a baby that you see that season or as a toddler, you focus on that season as a teenager, you're caught up in that season. When you're in your 20s, you're caught up in that season, 30s, 40s, 50s. You only really see a season at a time. But God sees everything very different. God goes like this. And he says he's the master of the whole view. So he's like, you know what? I know you get caught up seeing one picture at a time. I see your whole life at the same exact time. He sees everything. He saw before you were formed in the womb until he brings you back in his presence. And he sees all of eternity. And what's so cool is that he doesn't just see your pretty much pictures. He sees all of ours at the very same time. Everyone that's ever lived throughout all eternity. He doesn't see just the days, the months, the, the weeks, the years, the minutes or whatever that we live on this earth. He sees everything throughout all eternity because God is amazing because let's say this is time. Time is over here. God's over here. God, God is not limited by time. God is outside of time and he looks at everything. He sees everything and he plans everything accordingly with that. So God's view is completely, completely different. See, God sees everything. And I'm gonna, I'm, just, I'm gonna give you an example of how so many times we might be so quick to just focus on us and so quick on just looking at the picture of our life. I'm gonna read to you pretty much, I would say, the most famous Bible verse in the book of Jeremiah. Does anyone know what it is? Jeremiah 29, 11. It says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. How many of us have ever read that and declared it over our lives pretty much i've done it before how many of us pretty much have shared that with someone else okay how many of us have it as a magnet in a refrigerator or a bumper sticker You know, someone said they tatted it on themselves you know what i mean it's like that's like A key verse, but this is the thing. I just want to show you how so many times we might see something and just bring it into our little picture, our little picture of our own life. And that's our view. And now we're going to read that same verse in context, okay? In context. Because a lot of times that verse is taken out and brought out of context and brought into our little view. It's like, God, you have plans to prosper me, not to harm me. You know, all this. And we just bring it to ourselves. But is that what's happening here? So now we're going to read Jeremiah 29. And instead of starting at verse 11, we're going to start at verse 10. And it says this. Now, as a reminder, Jeremiah is speaking to Judah, Israel, the southern kingdom before the exile, before they were taken away in exile. And he says this, this is what the Lord says. I've never seen verse 10 in a magnet or in a bumper sticker or anything before. It says, when 70 years are completed, Prima is saying, You're going to be taken away for 70 years, like Israel. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you. And this is after the 70 years. I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place in Israel. And then it says, God says, for I know I have the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Keep that in mind. It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I I have banished you. God allowed it to happen. Where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I'll bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So here I want to make something very clear. This prophecy was for the nation, not for an individual. Is for the nation, not for the individual. And the truth is that many people that heard that prophecy when Jeremiah did it, never made it to see its fulfillment because they died in Babylon. So, you know, and, and I guess like what I'm trying to paint here is that God sees beyond our life He sees generations to come. He sees the big picture. He sees his will being advanced from from generation to generation. He doesn't get stuck in our little one picture of our viewfinder and think that everything revolves around us. But we feel that way because we feel like the world revolves around us. So that's the first Point. I wanted to say God's will for your life is a part of a bigger picture. This is the second point. God's will for your life is not convenient, comfortable, and safe. If if you want something that's convenient, comfortable, and safe, and many of us have chosen that, you're not at the center of God's will. Just, you're not because you're pretty much saying it has to fit in my little box, has to fit in my schedule, has to fit in my to-do list, has to fit in my agenda, how I feel, because sometimes I don't feel good in the morning, uh, especially if I don't have my coffee. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it depends on what's happening in my life. If it's not convenient, if I don't see it convenient, I'm not going to do it, God. If it's not comfortable, I'm not gonna do it if it's not safe, because, you know, God never tells us to do anything outside of our comfort zone that might be a little dangerous. And when I say danger, I don't necessarily mean putting your life online, but in some cases, God does call us to do that. So here, what I wanna make clear is God's will for your life is not convenient, comfortable, and safe. But you know what? Many of us, that's the life that we want. And I'm here to tell you, most Christians end up dying and standing before God without living out God's will for their life. That's just the truth. Not living in the center of God's will. You know why? Because we've come up with excuses of why we can't do it. We've pretty much We want to let everything revolve around us instead of being obedient to God, instead of being obedient to God. So I know in the beginning when I was telling you about Jeremiah, some of us must have been like, yo, yo, Jeremiah was so cool, yo. Jeremiah, God spoke to him. Yo, I knew you before you were formed. I've set you apart. And I know like when pretty much like your, your heart got tickled, like you were like, yo. Say that to me, you know it. I know a lot of times we we've turned to God. We're like, Yo, God, I want to do Your will. Do you really? Do you really want to do Your His will? Let me tell you a little bit about Jeremiah. There, Jeremiah was extremely lonely in his ministry. Sadness pretty much filled his life because of everything he was going through god told them not to get married and not to have kids god told them not to get married and not to have kids it's in scripture you could read it now the re- like what i believe is they were about to go into exile and a lot of families got separated who knows what god was also Protecting him from, but God literally said not to get married, not to have kids. He preached for 40 years and nobody repented and came to the Lord. So think about it for 40 years doing ministry and nobody's responding. Like, nobody's like, because for those of you that are in ministry, you probably feel like like you could think of different things that we might complain about or say about. Jeremiah definitely had it much worse. He was made fun of. He was mocked. His life was in danger many times. And tradition says that, it's not in the Bible, but tradition, the historians say that Jeremiah ended up getting killed. He ended up, Paying the ultimate price as a, mat, a martyr for God. So how many of us want to be like Jeremiah? Yeah, I see hands go by Like, Yo, Carlos, I'm going to put it under my seat. So I know some of us were probably thinking, it's like, you know what, Carlos? That's the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament. You know, God, you know, it's once Jesus came, things changed. You know, just ask the disciples, and see how that works out for you. Most of the disciples ended up dying for their faith. The apostle Paul died for his faith. And Jesus, of course, paid the ultimate sacrifice as well. And there's been so many different people in that journey. And and the reason why I say that is because there's a lot of churches, a lot of like streamlined teaching that just talks about, prosperity, blessing, nothing bad will ever happen to you. God just wants good, good, good. There's no challenges, nothing in danger. You have nothing, you know what I mean? Like like literally, it's like pretty much all of that is like follow God and it's like, you're gonna walk in daisies, in gardens of lilies and nothing bad will happen to you. If anything, God's blessings of material wealth and everything will just shower over your life. When you look at Jesus's life, Jesus, he was homeless. He had no place to lay his head. He wasn't like rich in power when it comes to the world's eyes, but he had it all in the palm of his hand because obviously he was God. But when you look at it, we need, to be, we need to realize pretty much what God's called us to, to do. So God's will for our life is inconvenient, uncomfortable, and possibly even dangerous. And if you find yourself at the moment and it's not that, I would question where you're at. I said before too, I believe most Christians only scratch the surface of fulfilling God's will for their lives. And number three, the third point about God's will is this. Everyone might have a different role, but we all have this same goal. And our goal is to point everyone to Jesus. So no matter what your role is, no matter what your, you could be part of the worship team. You could be sitting here. You, you could work in the supermarket. You could be cleaning streets. You, you could, whatever role God has given you in, your, in this life, Your role is to point people to Jesus. That's your role. We have different roles, but the goal is the same, to point people to Jesus. So that's the major, because so many times we might think of ministry, if it's in the church or part of the church. Every time you go home, your family is your ministry. Your parents is your ministry. Your kids is your ministry. Your brothers and sisters, they're your ministry. Your cousins are your ministry. At work, your coworkers, your boss, they're your ministry. Everyone that, someone said, Lord, have mercy. (laughs) Yeah, your boss, the one that you don't like too much, they're your ministry. You know, everybody, when you go to uh, the supermarket, that cashier that you have that interaction with, That's your ministry. Don't fight over that coupon she didn't acknowledge. Show her Jesus. All right? Show her Jesus. So that is, and let me tell you something, your neighbors, the one you try to hide from, the moment you see, oh, I keep yinning. Let me go be like the one, the the one you be closing out, closing the blinds, be like, oh yeah, me tapianoi. You're closing the blinds. That you don't even want your neighbors to see you. They're your ministry. Out of all the places you could have ever lived, you're there. Where are they going to... They might never ever pick up a Bible, but they could see God's love through your words and actions. Or you're not pointing them to Jesus. So here we need to realize that everyone might have a different role, but we all have the same goal. So what is God's will for our life? What is God's will for our life? I'm going to highlight one major point here. And I know this is a point that I've said in the past, but I want to remind you is this. God is more interested in who you're becoming than where you're going. God's more interested in who you're becoming than where you're going. Just look at Israel and Judah. If God was more interested in where they were going, they would have kept them there. But God was like, look, you've hardened your hearts you filled your life with sin and idolatry and all of this other stuff that doesn't belong. It's like you didn't listen to me. You rejected my prophets. All right. I'm going to teach you the rough way. You're going to I'm going to allow the Babylonians to come bring you to exile and in that journey you're going to learn lessons you could have learned at home, but you're going to learn different lessons and this is going to draw you closer to me. Your heart on who you're becoming is more important than where you're going. So instead of worrying what God wants you to do, you need to look at your life and try to see who does God want you to be and who he wants you to be is be more like him in every way, shape or form. Now, the next point that's behind me is this, when you become the person that he wants you to be, you'll find yourself in the place that he wants you to be. Okay, so read that again. When you become the person that he wants you to be, you'll find yourself in the place that he wants you to be. So don't worry about like getting to a destination. Be willing to allow God to transform you into the person he wants you to be because once you become that person, you'll find yourself there. It's more important For us also to know this, success in life is doing God's will. The world tells you success is degrees, titles, money, material things. Let me tell you, success is doing God's will. If God tells you that his will for you is to go throughout the city of Elizabeth and all neighboring towns and scrape gum off the floor, if that's what he tells you, success is doing that and being obedient to him. Whatever God tells you to do, that is success. So, to figure out the center of God's will, I have actually something here, back here. See if I could find it real quick. I don't know if anybody knows how to play darts. Who's good throwing darts? Who's good in throwing darts? Don't worry, I'm not gonna give you darts to throw. I don't know if this is going to stay. It's going to stay. Okay, right there. So here, actually, I'm going to hold it real quick. Here, I want you to picture this being the center of God's will. And I'm going to tell you about five dangerous prayers to pray if you want to go there after this teaching process. Some of you are like, I'm not ready. But let me tell you. There's no more rewarding place than to know you're doing what God's called you to do. And literally, when you stand before him to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So here, this is the center of God's will. And pretty much there's five, you could say, prayers that progressively gets to this place. And it's gonna be behind us right now that you could see right there. Here in the white, it's lead me. This is where it starts. If you don't want to allow God to lead you, like, like th- this is like, a, this is 101. Lead me. Deciding that God is the Lord of your life. N- literally deciding, it's like, you're not going to lead your life anymore. You want to allow God to lead you. So that's step number one. Some of us, we've not, we, you see, I don't know if you notice in these prayers, there's nothing about going to church on Sunday. There's nothing about like, you know, like in a sense, like just like reading a Bible verse every day. Because you know what it is? A lot of us, we could do things to appease our mind, to make us feel like we're actually close to God or having a relationship with them, doing what he's called us to do. If you actually pray these Prayers out of your heart, sincerely, it could literally transform your life forever. And there's, and it's not these long winded prayers, they're two words, and there's nothing special about the prayers themselves. These all have to do with your heart. And the first one is lead me, telling God, it's like, God, I want you to lead me above everything. The second one is search me. Asking God and giving God permission to go to the deepest parts of your heart. The parts of your heart that you don't allow anyone else to go. And tell him to search your heart and see if there's any offensive way in your heart towards him. If there's anything in your heart that doesn't belong, to reveal it to you. That's the second one. The third one is break me. That's like God... If there's anything in my life that doesn't belong, I give you permission to break it off. You know how dangerous that prayer is? Just telling God, God, reveal to me what needs to be broken up. I remember as clear as day stages in in my life, especially in the beginning, where I broke off friendships, not saying that we weren't like cool, that we, we couldn't talk anymore. Of course, I'm still cool with them up to this day and I love them dearly. But I knew I couldn't hang with them anymore because they were trying to pretty much lead me in the wrong path. And I remember as clear as day, God said, you gotta break that. You gotta draw the line. You can't, you can't allow them to lead you in that way. And I had a clean break of those that had to leave my life, you could say. The next one is me. This is when you die to yourself. It's no longer about you living, but God living in you. It's not about your agenda, your goals, your dreams. It's not about your career, your finances. It's not about your money. It's not about your future, your present. It's not about any... Literally, when you get to that transforming part, you literally lay down your life as if you've placed yourself almost in a coffin, you could say. You die to yourself. You're like, God, I'm no longer living for myself anymore. God, I just want you to live through me every single day. And lastly, in the middle, it's use me. At this place, you'll know you're at the center of God's will. When you say use me there, you know why? Because when you've gone through this process and you've reached this point, now your heart is beating in the same rhythm as God's heart. Now what God loves, you love. What God hates, you hate. What God wants to see, you want to see. Now you're in the same rhythm as God. And then all of a sudden, when you get here and you say, use me, you'll know you're in, God's, uh, in the center of God's will Because your heart is aligned with God's heart. I'll give you an example. The disciples were with Jesus for three years. And through that journey, God was working on their hearts. I told you before that the disciples, most of them died for Jesus. They died for Jesus. Imagine the disciples didn't go through this journey in three years. And Jesus, right at the beginning, before he, they decided to even let Jesus follow him, all of a sudden God said, hey guys, I know you guys are all gathered here. Um, just want to let you know, you're all going to die for me. I wonder how many of them would have stayed. But because they went through the process, they're center of God's will, even when it took, when it meant taking their own lives, they were willing to give it all to him. I don't know where you are today in your relationship with God, but God wants to completely have your entire life. Like, So many times we want to be in the center of God's will. But we need to realize there's a journey to take in our hearts internally before we could be even in that center of God's will. And for most of us, God probably hasn't even revealed what he wants us, what he wants to do in our lives because we're not ready to receive it. But as we go through this journey, we prepare our heart for him. You could read this at home, but in Jeremiah chapter 18, Jeremiah was spoken to God through a potter that had clay, working on clay. And in Jeremiah 18, while he was working on clay, the potter, pretty much God said that, the, that he is the potter. And the clay was Israel. And he wants to mold and shape and remove and break everything that doesn't belong in their life. But the choice is yours. If everyone could bow their heads. In the beginning for worship, we sang the song, Jesus at the center when Jesus is truly at the center of our life and there's nothing else that we want but to allow him to do the deep work in our heart, it's not something that it's a moment, it's a journey, it's a process that God wants to do within us. When we're willing to have Jesus at the very center and to go through that journey, you will find yourself at the center of his will. I don't know where you are now in your journey of, uh, with God, but what's amazing is that every day is a new day. Today, you could decide, it's like, you know what, God? For too many years, I've done it my way. For too long, I've chased after the things of this world. For too long, I've kept my heart away from you and given you just a part of it. But God, I want to make you i put you at the very center of my heart and life so that I could know your will and obey your will and do what you've called me to do. During this worship song that Pastor Harold is gonna lead us in, Jesus, to put Jesus at the center. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you to come forward, come here at the altar. Come here at the altar, surrender everything to God telling God that you want Him at the very center of your life, that you're not satisfied walking through this journey of life and doing other things and not doing His will, but you want to do His will above all else. So the altar is open, you could come forward. Father God, we thank you for this day, Lord God. And Father God, Right now, we we put our hands over our hearts, Lord God. God, you're, you're chasing after our hearts, God. God, we give you permission to do whatever you want to do within our heart, Lord God. Forgive us for the idols we've created, for the things that we've put before you, Lord God. God, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for not allowing you to lead us, Lord God. And even now, Lord God, we just ask you, Lord God, even with these prayers that you would lead us, Lord God, that you would search us, Lord God, that you would break us, Lord God, that you would transform us, Lord God, and that you would use us, Lord God, so that we would have a deep relationship with you and follow our Father and fulfill the will that you have for our lives, that you've set us apart, as you knit us together in our mother's womb to accomplish. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen, amen.
0: Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelisabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.